0: I'm your host, Marquis. Hi, I'm your host, Charmaine. And welcome to another episode of So Here's the, the Thing. I wanted to thank everybody for being on the podcast with me and Charmaine. Um, I was talking with Charmaine before I got cut off, and a whole bunch of other things happened about why I wanted to do this podcast, which is really just to provide a template for other Black folks to start conversations in the communities and their families. In their own social circles because we have so much that we do not discuss in our communities. Mm. And so as we get, as we go through today, this is just black folks, black grown folks talking with other black mm. grown folks about any Hello,
1: black grown folks? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, black grown folks. Grown okay. Folks. <laughs> I got um, excited a little
2: bit.
0: Yes, we should be excited. Let's we should listen. I've wanted to be black and grown for so long when oh, I was. Yes. I'm, and then when I come to find out when I got grown up, I was like, oh gosh, like this, maybe this is <laughs> I not I <laughs> this this ain't this. us back then too. <laughs> I've been wishing <laughs> I could like stick
1: my heels three times and go back.
3: Right. And you know the funny thing, our saying. parents our parents always warned us, like, okay, right. wait till you get grown. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. And we was like, I can't wait till I get grown. Watch. Now you grown, you're like, mama. <laughs> well, I want to come home. Oh, my God. She didn't tell you about the bills and all the other stuff you had to take yeah. when you get grown. You're like, oh, word. That's what's going on? Okay. I ain't no yeah.
1: longer like that. I thought I'd get my money, and I got my money. Mm-hmm. You come
2: so, ask so, me for my money.
0: Yeah, so, you guys, I want... Uh, so, um, this is going to be a little bit structured, but a little bit free-flowing. I, I did want to... I don't want to dominate the conversation, so I'm going to let you guys chime in about why you, why you're interested in doing the podcast and why you get our uh, right now you're d- volunteering your time, but I have already told you all that I am very interested in making sure black folks get paid. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that at some future point, but I, I want to start with Brittany. What like Brittany, what made you, yeah, I don't know. Look at Brittany with the surprised face. <laughs> Brittany, why did you um, agree to be on this podcast?
2: Um, Well, Marquis
1: didn't give me like what I should not say. So I'm going to say what I believe I can say. No, absolutely. Me and Marquis are very, very good friends.
0: This Um, is like my sister.
1: This is like Mm. my sister. This is my sister, brother. This is, we have a tie. Um, And he was talking about this project over Wine and and we were having a night. <laughs> so I thought I'd bring it to this one too. Does everybody have their, <laughs> their beverage? Okay?
0: I do. Um, I, I have a, so me and Marquee, I have a he, was,
1: he was talking about this podcast with such passion and such oomph and juju. And I was like, oh man, like this person is pain. when somebody's passionate about something, it pours out of them and you can feel it. And then he was going in, and I saw the vision. I saw it. I saw it with him. Um, we first met in artist realms. We were in a show together, um, so the artistry is just what connects us. First, I believe that's our foundation in life and experiences has brought us into a good friendship, sistership, brothership. Um, and and was he he and he said um, Charmaine is gonna be on this season and I'm excited and we're gonna have this different type. And I'm like, yo, he's still talking about this. You know, like, he's still, it's season two, season two is coming and he's he's excited again. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Charmaine, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and then he said he wants to have guests. So when he said it, it wasn't even like a yes or no. It was like big brother said something, I needed to be there. When he gives me the date and the time by, by any means necessary, <laughs> I'm gonna be where he tell, he where he tells me to be, you know? Gosh. Um and even how he talks about paying black folks. When I believe in somebody's dream and the fact that this person is whatever you need, that I sacrificing my time is like the least I can do. Like mm-hmm. this is the minimum I can do to to give back to his dream um into a passion of his and something that I know he's working on from the heart. So for big brother, I am. And I love discussion, so nobody has yeah, not ask me to be on a podcast. So <laughs> this is great to hear my voice on something. I don't like to hear my voice, but we'll see what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, 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 right. Nice. I think that's just awesome. Just, uh, just to add on, like the fact that um really, when you build a community, it's all about like being able to call on your friends or your family in a time of either passion, need, or um, just. You know, desire, and the person's be the person's going to be there for you. Brittany and I have known each other for what three years? About three years now, but it feels like oh gosh, it feels like a whole lifetime. And Charmaine and I have known each other for two years, oh, just over two. Oh, So yeah,
2: three,
0: probably three, like three. Yeah, coming up on three. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm going to let Robert
3: chime in. Robert,
0: why did you agree to be on the podcast?
3: So kind of like the same, I mean, um, I know, I've, I know, Charmaine, we used to actually work together in the insurance business Ooh. and um, we, we have these, you know, we have our own little uh, group or MMC group of all our old coworkers. And we, from time to time, we get together on the Zoom and she had brought it up like, oh, she said she was doing a podcast and she was like, oh, well you, you, you sound real spirited about it Cause some of our conversations go really left on these, pro- when we talk in our Zoom meetings, and she's like, oh, you you sound very passionate about what you want to do. So I'm on this podcast. Would you like to come on? And the first thing I was like, "Why the f not?" I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> Yo. like oh, "You know? First, like, first
2: on the podcast." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, sure, why,
3: why not?" I'm like, "I like talking. I like talking to other people." And yeah. then, like I said, to me, when you talk to other people, like, yeah, I have my little circle of people I talk to, but when you get to talk and meet other people, I think that's how you grow because you, I can learn different things. But the funny thing is, the one thing I got, my wife came out. She was like. She warned me before I got on. She was like, don't say shit about our business. And you better not talk about me. So you know I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all headed that way. But no, I, I, just an opportunity. I've never done this before. Yeah. So it was always just an opportunity to do something new, you know, mm-hmm. and just learn something. So I was thrilled when she asked. I was surprised. I was like, you sure? Yeah. You sure you want me yes. to come on? Yes. I was like, OK. Yes. All right, thank I'll be you. there for you. And yeah, kind of like you. she said, it's like, you know, me volunteering, my time is like, in the time that we are now, you know what I'm saying? We're really, I'm really not doing that. I'm just sitting on watch. I'd be watching the Met game right now. So if I could do something a little bit more constructive, why not?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So. All right.
3: Well, thank you. And,
0: and, and I'm going to end with Charmaine for now.
2: <coughs> All right. <Yes>. For now. <laughs>
0: um, so the reason why I wanted to um, have this whole conversation
1: about uh, the black experience, black community is because of the very things that are happening today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel that it's kind of like a twofold type of um, situation where it's like we need to talk about our Black experience so that the other Black people that are out there that think that it's just them, they understand that it's not, that somebody has a similar story, you know, or something that they can identify with, you know, that they're not alone. We're all together in this, right? Um, And then the other thing is so that people from other cultures and nationalities can kind of, you know, sit in the living room with us metaphorically and get to know us too. Yeah. Because how we're portrayed, you know, versus who we are, and I think that goes for anybody, you know, are two different things. So, you know, I'm very, very um, happy to um, be a part of this. I thank Marquis again for, you know, um, you know, having me as the co-host, you know. Um, and you know I just wanted to say also to thank you to Rob you know and we did we had a spirited conversation our group is called the Marsh Group I want to say shout out to the Marsh Group right there you go there you go we're going to have some more of them spirited conversations oh, definitely <laughs> and I also want to thank Brittany I want to thank you so much it's so nice to meet you okay. uh, it, 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 I felt that I did I really felt that and I was sorry
3: no, <sighs> you, <know, laughs> you, you would have said you and Britney's known each other for years,
1: that, you know? like, <laughs> like, like, when like, I you that, that <laughs> when we in our sister circle, when we sit <laughs> and we have. I have heard so much about you and I was like, okay, if Marquis is going to pick somebody that's going to be his co-host on something that I know is his baby in practice, Jermaine
2: Jermaine got to be fire.
1: Okay? Yeah. I feel it. Thank you. Um, and, it wow. exists, and I'm excited, so thank you for thanking me and I thank you for um, allowing me in your space.
0: So one of the things I, I wanted to say real quick before we hop into the first <clears throat> first topic is that there probably is something like this that's out there, but I just don't know about it. Like, it would be very interesting for me to, to Charmaine touched on this, to, to see, talking about other cultures. Like, I don't see four Asian people, like four Chinese people sitting on a Zoom and just letting us know about their culture. I don't see four white folks sitting on a, and just really being for real about, this is what it's like to be white in America. This is what it's like right. to be, and there may be, there may be something like that, but this is this is something I've always wanted to do, and and even if since I had my first season, and Charmaine was one of my actually she was my very first guest in my first season of my podcast, I said to Charmaine, "Listen, I think that we should do something like like talking about what it's like to be Black and American." This was probably over a year ago now. At this point, since since we recorded Charmaine's podcast which was at this, at, at this moment, it's still the, the most listened to out of all 12 episodes of the first oh, season. Wow. So, uh, wow. good on her. Um, so I just wanted to say that, uh, again, thank you guys for, for hopping on and, um, we'll take a break at some point, probably halfway through. Um, but if you need to get up, take a break, you know, grab a drink, feel free to do so. Um, just yell for my wife in the back. Hey, can you give me a drink? No. <laughs> listen, listen, now don't, don't do it. <laughs> She's going to be on the podcast like, what? What? <laughs> she Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so one of the things we were talking about before, before we did introductions was, you know, childhood stuff, Miss Mary Mac. We talked about slide a little bit. Um, now, one of the things that occurs to me about the whole podcast, but in general, is that a lot of things that we all sort of—I um, wouldn't even say take for granted—but we think that all Black people go through are mm. is not actually so. Like, not all Black people ha- had Miss Mary Mack. I had Miss Mary Mack. You know, another person may have had. I don't. Know, I don't even know what you know what other people would say. But there's a, so much that we sort of believe that. Um, all black people in America have either gone through or know about, and it's not exactly—it's not always true. Um, and we don't always have the same experiences. So the very first question that I wrote down, and I sent you guys an outline ahead of time, um, is about, um, what did I write down? Oh, growing up black and poor, or mm. growing up middle class or upper class. There's a perception, at least from my point of view, and I, I want to hear you guys' thoughts, <clears throat> there's a perception um that is either true or perpetuated within our own community that most black people in america are either poor or barely middle class like most of us aren't making enough money to really sustain ourselves and um one of my previous guests on a on a different podcast it, she actually didn't grow up like poor she grew up in in sort of upper upper middle class so um i grew up I'm gonna start with myself, and then I'll, I'll um, ask for you guys' input. I grew up, um, I guess, kind of poor. Um, we, my, <clears throat> I'll say it this way: my mother. Um, we, I, I'm originally from Newark. I was born in Newark, New Jersey, um, and we grew up in a fairly poor neighborhood. But for most of my childhood, I had no idea that we were poor. Like, we moved from Newark to East Orange to Edison, New Jersey, which is where I spent the majority of my um, childhood and uh, young adulthood. And for the most part, I had no idea. Like, we were in Section 8 housing at one point. I didn't know. Uh, we, You know, there were things that we couldn't afford to do. Like, we, uh, I, I had to raise money to go on class trips and you know, there were other things like that that we couldn't. You know, I didn't have the latest Jordans or sneakers or you know whatever those things were. But I had no idea that my mother, as a single mother, was really struggling the way that she was. Um, and I don't know um, if that's true of most black uh, lower class slash upper middle class. I don't want to talk about it in class uh, class form, but I, I want to hear you all thoughts. Like, did I mean, you grow up black or middle class
3: and how did that inform your
0: sort of sort of space?
3: Well, I think when when you're young like that, you know, you really don't grasp, like, what your parents are going through because, you know, as Black they try to shield us from what's really out there. Like, I grew up in the South Bronx, you mm. know, in, in, in the 80s. You know, when everybody looked at the, the pictures of the South Bronx and it was abandoned buildings. But to me, the South Bronx was the best place to be as a kid. Like, the abandoned buildings was my playhouse, and I loved it, mm. you know. Mm. Um I had yeah I was just as a kid that's what we did you know um yeah there was things that we couldn't afford and I knew there was nice you know we we probably ate grits like for like 3 weeks straight but you know you didn't yes. you didn't know you was poor I recognize it because you had so you had that family you had so mm-hmm. much things to divert you from what yeah. was going on yeah. but now when you look back on it now I felt more sorry for my parents cuz I was like they had to struggle and put that on their back and raise five kids.
2: Oh, yeah. Me,
3: I'm running around, little kid eating grits, thinking you know, getting beat up by my sisters, and worrying about when they are gonna put me in a dress tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. oh, you didn't hear that part, Marquise. I it's um I have three sisters, and they used to put me in a dress when I was a little kid. I'm the baby, of the family. Yeah. So, but I, I don't think as a, as a when you grow up like that, you don't recognize it because you have so. You have so much of a connection with the family. It's kind of shields you from all the outside stuff. So your playground was your home with your, with your sisters and your mom, and your dad was in the home, you know, fortunate enough to have both of them there. But I knew we struggled. I knew we didn't have the best of everything, you know, but I loved it. I, I mean, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world, the way I grew up.
0: So let me ask you this real quick and then mm-hmm. we'll move on to, uh, Charmaine and then we'll move to Brittany. Um, Grits, you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Sugar or salt?
3: Sugar. Oh. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, really? Look, look okay. that's, how turn, that's how you With turn. That's how you turn grits. That's how you turn grits into make-believe oatmeal, baby. Stop <laughs> playing.
2: That's
3: the <laughs> most. No you. Man, you did sugar and salt. No, no, no. <laughs> I did sugar. I put the the platter butter that thick on there. Oh, let sweet. that melt in there. Stir that bad oh. boy up.
0: Oh my god! Hey, Dude, no, so that's some good salt.
3: eating right there. What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so so I'm, the I'm the only one that had sugar. No, and I have salt. Had, salt. So I I prefer salt now, but I I uh, so um my family okay, What do you mean? Oh? <laughs> you something. My family I, lived, that lives in Georgia, they, they put sugar in it. And so yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is good, too. It, it tastes more like uh, cream of wheat or farina.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. See, I eat cream of wheat with sugar, yeah. oatmeal yeah. with sugar. My grits have salt and butter, grits and eggs, yes. fish mm-hmm. and grits, yeah. shrimp got, and grits. You, got, you, you know got, what I'm you saying? Sugar,
3: I'm I'm you you, you, gotta you gotta don't put, put the sugar, on the sugar
0: grits. Somebody out there fish. agrees with me. No, no, Ooh. I agree. I agree. You don't put the sugar grits
3: with fish. You don't put push oh, okay. grits, push. no. Because you have, but you know, on on the on the, the rare occasion you had fish, no, you don't mix it together. Oh, oh on the, okay, true. On the rare okay. occasion oh, you that. had some fish, right. you know, right. maybe that's just me. But uh, but like, and, and the, the funny thing about it, like, I had grits so much growing up. When I got married, I could not stand them. Mm. Like I could not, I cannot I can see take that. grits to this day. You don't eat grits. Oh, wow. oh, wow. Listen, I will like once in a while, but it's not my top choice. You know, and maybe, you know, I got a little older. I got a little bit of a better job. I was like, beneath me now. I know <laughs> grits, <no." laughs> I ate them so much, man. It was like, mm-hmm. yo, know, I got to tell you a funny story real quick. I don't mean them not lies at the time, but um, so we were, you know, when we were younger. So we had a box of grits and like, we were just tired of eating them. It was like three weeks straight. We going on. So we like, all right. So we pull out the grits. Mom comes home. She's like, did y'all eat? We're like, no, we don't have anything to eat. The grits is gone. She like, all right. She went out to the store. he's like, yeah, we are gonna get something else. She got grits. That's what came she back with like, another box of
2: grits.
0: <laughs> she got grits. <laughs> are you me? She got grits. I was like, are you kidding me?
3: I was like, okay, that's all she could hey, afford, sir. You should be ashamed of yourself. I get it, and maybe we was at the point where we was tired of them. Let me but tell it you was, something. If, yo, if we
0: was like from food in the trash can, it would be hell to pay. You don't throw away food.
3: That's true. We we poured the grains out. We, like my and my sisters, like I said, they would have cooked, they started all this. They was like, okay, we're gonna get something different. Nah, my mama came back with some grits. Like I, I asked her today, I was like, yo, why did y'all she was like, You never went to bed hungry, did you? Mm. I was Like, you absolutely right. that will fill up your belly. You absolutely right. Yeah. All right, Charmaine, so Charmaine.
0: Tell us about uh, your experience. Did you, did you, did you, I think the question was, oh, um, growing up poor or growing up middle class and how it uh, informed your sort of overall childhood. And what did you think of as poor? I'll say it. Maybe, maybe that's a better question.
1: Like Rob, I didn't realize what, you know, poor was. Not really, because I was enjoying my childhood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lived in um, Jamaica, Queens, and I lived in a house. Um, and I kind of considered myself, if anybody asked me, I guess, middle class, you know, um, I didn't know any better, you know, I, I referenced, you know, the Huxtables when we spoke before, you know, Uh outside of this conversation, like, you know, like a middle class family, my, you know, my family, we didn't have the doctors and the lawyers and everything, but, you know, um, I think in my mind, I was just like.
0: Tell us who the Huxtables are again for the, for oh, anybody who's listening. The who Cosby's. Yes. <laughs> Cosby show. Yes. So
1: That's like I, I identified, I identified with them, especially like Rudy. Cause Rudy was right around my age at the time. Uh, well. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I felt like, you know, it was a, a single parent home. Cause my mom had gotten a divorce and we wound up staying with my, my Nana and it was her home. And. You know, basically all of my neighbors they took care of their lawns, they everybody worked, you know, they had their nine to fives. People were, you know, just holding it down. You know, did they you had maybe a
0: house or an apartment. Apart.
1: And, you know, every summer people went down south on vacation and then came like uh, yeah, I mean, that's what people did, you know? Yeah. So I but when I started to understand that there was like a bigger divide is when I went to school um mm-hmm. out in mm-hmm. Douglas. <laughs> New
2: York.
1: Okay. So my mom, the way that she did it was, um, we went to public school, obviously in Queens, because that's where we were zoned. And um, I started out pre-K there. And I went to a public school, but I went to a public school for one year so that she could transfer me out to go to another district based on my grades. So we wound up going out to Douglaston. And during that time, I learned so much. I learned that I was Pope because mm. <laughs> those people out there had some serious money. Mm. Um, they were rich, and um, it, was, it was very clear by looking at what they had and what I had, and even, like, let's say their parents compared to mine because their mother was packing their lunch, dropping them off nicely at the front gate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And me, I took the yellow cheese bus all the way from where I live, about 40, 45 minutes away. You know, with all the other black kids, you know, coming to school. So it's very different getting on the free lunch line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that's when I started probably around like eight years old or so. I started to like see, wow, there's a difference here in my lifestyle and theirs. And I started to see the difference as far as me being poor compared to them
0: who are citizens. Did you grow up in an apartment or a house?
1: I grew up in a house. Oh, a house. I grew up in a house. Okay. And it's so funny because everybody, even to this day, they're like, you lived in a house?
0: Yeah, I didn't live in a house.
1: Yes. Everybody acts like New York City only yeah. has buildings. You know what I mean? But they have houses. They have communities of homes in New York City, you know?
3: It's yeah. not until yeah. you venture out of the Bronx till you start seeing, like, where are they all little houses
2: right now? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I, was, I remember when I went to, um, my wife lived in Mount Vernon. Mm. You know, and, and like, you know, I was like, OK, I was I was like, these are your projects. Like the, the project is only like six stories. I was like, really? That's a project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, OK. Right, Brittany.
0: Brittany, tell us about your um, your 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 experience growing up.
1: For me, my my experience has always been different. Um, and I knew it was different because my family moved different. My family grew up very middle class. Mm. I've always Mm. known that I was a well-taken-care-of child. Mm. Um, I did not know struggle. Um, Mm. I did not know if a bill was not paid. My parents worked so hard that they never allowed me to see it. Did I Mm. learn about the hardships as I've gotten older? And, you know, my parents would share certain stories. Yes. Yes. I've learned, oh, for real, y'all sacrificed that on that Christmas, or y'all didn't do da-da-da-da-da so we can have on Christmas, Mm. or a birthday. My parents were always those type of folks. They would sacrifice so me and my brothers would never have to go without. Mm. Um, I'm the youngest of three. I have two older brothers. So I will say before I was born, I think was a turning point, not to make my coming out year seem good, but <laughs> my parents kind of was getting their feet a little, you know, more settled. They had bought their house. So I grew up in the house that I've mm. always known. Um, my parents have told me stories of when they struggled living in an apartment with my two brothers, um, you know, a, ba- a baby on the hip, and then you got this other, they told me those types of stories. But Brittany? I have never known that struggle. Um, yes, I went to public schools. I went to a private school. Um, was it a sacrifice? I learned after the fact, but for my parents, they wanted they wanted that. They wanted that to happen, and that's what they decided to do. Um, in any of their decisions, financially, was never something that was in my face. Like it was never that I thought I couldn't have this meal. Um, Mm. I will say as I got older and teenagers and, you know, teenagers, we start talking labels and we want this. My parents would do us good, but I did know I couldn't go, but so high. Um, Mm. example, um, (laughs) my mother, she found such a joy in allowing me, her only daughter to have a coach purse. But school, when they started playing coach, and coach was out, and you needed a Louis Vuitton, and you needed Gucci, I couldn't know that life. You know what I'm saying? Like that was (laughs) something that that was something that my mother. It was certain moments where she had to break down. Well, Brittany, I'm gonna give you this. If you want that, you're gonna have to get that yourself. Yeah. Um. So it was those type of 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 things. My parents did for me and my siblings. I'm going to set you up for greatness. I'm going to set you up as best as as we can, as best as I can. Anything beyond this, you got to go do it yourself. It was a certain time when my parents checked out of buying us name brands. You wanted Jordans, you got to go get it. This is what Mm. I can afford. This is how I'm moving. You got food to eat. Stop asking me for James. <laughs> <Don't laughs> let, let, me,
0: me. let me ask this question around out this particular topic. Um, so it sounds like, it sounds like just within this small circle um, that there may have been varying degrees of uh, income levels for all of us, for all of our parents, et cetera. But for the most part, Within our own families, there's a perception that none of us really knew, like, oh, growing up poor. But there is a perception, there is a, a, and I think probably a stereotype that most black people in America are either poor or, you know, out here doing all kinds of things. So where do you, I I just, I'm just, I have a sense of where it comes from. Obviously, it comes from some movies, some media, whatever, whatever. But I I wonder if you all agree with the, if, if you agree that the stereotype exists and, how do we, this is a harder question, but how do we like break that cycle? If we know it within our own communities, then what, like, how is this still a thing? How are people, How you know what I'm saying? Like, this is 2020 and people still think we out here poor. Like, no, we're not out here all poor. So how do we, how do we move beyond that? I think it's very different today Mm. than it was, let's
1: say 20 years ago. Okay. Maybe even 30 years ago. I think that there were a lot more working class, meaning like blue collar worker, like our parents, you know, um, mm-hmm. and grandparents. Um, that was the case with, with my um, grandmother. She worked at a factory um, all her life. And then my uh, grandfather was a mason. Mm. And my, you know, my mom, she was a correction officer, mm. and a limo driver at some point. And so they worked really hard so I could have the things I have. So like you were saying, um, Brittany, you know, so I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It, it only became glaringly obvious. And, you know, when I went to school and saw other kids and how they were living, which was very different, you know, than, than, than how I was living. And it wasn't a bad life. It was a good life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I wasn't starving. The lights never went off. I lived in a home. I have zero complaints about it. I would do it all over again. Mm-hmm. But the lifestyle then and the lifestyle now—you have so many black people that are professionals, like white collar. Let's say you have a lot more black people that own businesses, maybe than they did back then.
0: But do so, you do you think the perception still exists? Like even absolutely, though absolutely, I think like, the perception
1: yes. still exists, and yes. that's because media promotes that. Yeah, you know um, that—that's
3: my feeling. Go ahead. We, we okay. got to kind of figure out the way to define poor because, you know, um, like we said, we all, we all didn't have all the best things that we had, but we, we had our community, we had our families. So in our minds, we weren't considered poor. But like you said, on TV, they show you live in a tenement building, you know, you don't have on the latest J's, you don't have this, you don't have that. So that qualifies you as being poor, mm-hmm. you know, but it's when you tell somebody, say, yeah, you know, I don't have much, but what I have, a lot of people with money don't have. Mm. So I think by the conversation that mm. we're having in podcasts like this is how you get out. This is the definition of poor right and what poor you th- you know what poor really means, yep. you know what I'm saying you you can just be poor in spirit, so um mm. I think that to me is like when when you have that we we just got to get it out that poor doesn't mean just because I don't have money in my pocket right
2: you know, right you
3: know what I'm right. saying so it, it's a little bit more than just that. And you could be poor you could you could not have money in
0: your pocket, but you have several investments someplace. You know, you you may have, you know, a lot a lot of other stuff going on, but just because you're down to your last twenty dollars, but your kids have whatever it is that they you know what I'm saying? Like exactly. Yeah. sometimes those were some of the
1: happiest days. Well,
0: that, that's you know what I'm good. saying. In my good. life, when
1: that's I didn't good. really, I only had maybe a dollar to my name and I was going to the corner store bodega trying to figure out, hey, what kind of candies I could get. You know yes. what I'm saying? Exactly. That, that <laughs> penny
3: candy was real back then. You know I mean? <laughs> Let's
0: talk about penny candy for a second. What? <laughs> <laughs> penny <laughs> candy. So there were many penny candies that I liked. Okay. Oh. Do you know penny candy? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I grew up on Boston baked beans. Yes, I grew up on Mary Jane's. Yes, I grew up Maybe. on Chico stick. I still yes. love a Chico. Yeah. Stick. Yes, I Every, every they month of a they while, still, I
1: crave them.
0: Do they still sell Chico sticks? They sure you gotta find it.
1: them. I'm so you gotta find them. <laughs> you gotta yeah. search for them. Yeah. Like, wow. like,
0: they? They only have Snickers bar now, and I'm like, no, I want a Chico stick. I want that long orange crumbling <laughs> <Chico> <laughs> stick. Uh-huh. <laughs> How are you going to forget about Lemon Heads? Lemon Hello? Heads. Hello? I
1: was just thinking that, right? Mm-hmm. Mike and I. Oh, that's the Mike and guy. I.
0: Mm-hmm. I not like hot tamales. I do not like hot yeah, candy.
3: You hey, you can't forget about the Mary Jane's? I said Mary Jane's. You say Mary Jane. I Peanut not choose? Did he What about the little man. squirrel nuts? They gave you like a block of caramel with nuts <laughs> yes. yes. And um, then the <laughs> ultimate... Was the jawbreakers? Remember those? Yes. Listen. Oh, yes. The blow pops.
1: How are y'all forgetting blow pops? Oh, right. Blow pop. Right. Because right. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> <laughs> you know we used to do back. Did you do that, Brittany? Back in the day, you have a ponytail and put your blow pop in your pony ponytail. Oh, oh no! <laughs> no you no. Know. I, I didn't
0: do that one. I did. I did. Oh, now listen. Brittany's a little bit younger than some of us. Oh, okay. okay. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> it's we got to forgive her. Different. I'm familiar with what you guys are talking about, but I know I, we would. I, I'm trying to look. I'm Googling the name of something, but we were on nine laters. You used to get nine laters. Oh, now nine oh, laters. Oh. Later. <laughs> and you used to get. It's like, it's something fruit. It's fruit is a Laffy Taffy. No. Hey, what is
0: that fruit candy? That was a strawberry what? candy that's my favorite. A little strawberry candy with the syrup in the middle. Mm. Yes. Oh my
1: goodness. Oh. Yes. You know they, the old ladies at church be having those with the butterscotch candies and the mint. Worthers. Remember
0: Worthers? Yes.
3: yes. wait a minute. Y'all gonna forget about Titsy Roll? Candy. They made a whole dance about
0: those. Yes, Titsy Roll. Come on. Man. Um <laughs> but now no, I, I didn't want to get too far off track. Brittany, real quick. Um what are your thoughts about this perception of being the, the perception that keeps the sort of being perpetuated of being black and poor in america like how do we how do we move beyond especially when there are shows there are shows like blackish is one of them these people are successful Okay. But
1: Here I think even before you even go to blackish, you have like Charmaine had said the Huxables. Yeah. It
0: right. was
1: this black family that was right. living, okay? Right. Father, right. a doctor, mother, a lawyer is kinda like
0: how can you beat this? Right, like but they're not on the air anymore. That's the problem. They're not. So they're on. Whoa, they're on BET. Okay. Well. <laughs> they're on, they're
1: on BET, they're on BET. But again, in a select avenue, yeah, where the right. people of we are, we know about each other. But for the other people that need to see this image of us, that's not on their network. Yeah. Um, and you know, people have written. Uncle Bill off at this point. So some people are not even interested because he's tarnished the name. Um, But people, that's something that, to be honest, I wish I had to answer. I don't know how to answer that. I feel like we've always been in one cup. All Mm -hmm. of us always are looked to to be perceived in one way. Um, And before you even have a chance to say who you are and where you come from, you already have established this image of me. Um, right. regardless as if I'm wearing huge earrings with a name in it and it comes off as ghetto. But again, I'm raised in a two-family household. I live good. I'm okay. But because yes. a girl who did not be, who's not raised in a two-parent household, she lives on the South Side. She comes from some rough beginnings. We're the same. Right. You look yes. at us and you're right. going to see, see us as the same. So this poor thing, I think poor, I don't like the word, um... I don't like classifying it as poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. Um, what is it? Is it medium class? Medium class? Middle class. Um, middle class. 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 Say medium. <laughs> 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 um middle class, but to go in- immediately to like poor, I've never really liked that. That's immediately where we go because mm-hmm. it's an in between from not doing so well or I'm uh, struggling a little bit. To struggle and poor. Even that, I'd rather take struggling instead of just poor.
0: And the thing about um, that is, is that a lot of that can be, can be can be temporary. Like it. so many yeah. times we go from like being middle class and then we might struggle for a couple of years, but that doesn't mean we're just poor like for the right, rest exactly. of our life. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> I think poor yeah. is a harsh word, is a heavy yeah. word for <clears> temporary <throat> circumstances. Yeah. Or is a harsh word to category categorize somebody off of maybe just one good, a little couple of dollars short from being
0: middle class. Middle class, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, All right. So uh, um, the last thing I'm going to say real quick, and then I'll let Charmaine bring us into the next topic, is that, um, like Robert said, I think that continuing to have conversations in your circles about this type of thing and just... Say it outright. Just say it. Just talk. you know, being talking about finances is always a little bit taboo, even in um, even in you know very tight knit Black communities. People don't like to talk about how much they're making and what they're doing. But like, if you don't talk about it, then you're gonna your you're, silence is complicity. Like you're you're sort of um, contributing by not talking about it to perpetuating the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charmaine, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you oh what one other thing real quick is that as as much as we talk about it within our own circles, obviously we all know, and those of you who are listening who don't know, you ought to know that there are systems in place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Systemic systems in our country that keep us from or try to keep us, I'll put it that way, try to keep us from elevating to the next level, both financially, socially. Um, Class-wise, etc. So I'm, uh, I'm, that's a topic for a different thing. But I, okay. just, wanna, I just wanted to make sure <laughs> that I'm I... Say, I'm
1: that me that mentally, <laughs> mentally, don't get me started. Right. On this system. Yeah, because I, I was actually about to say that, but um, that basically, this whole like black people being poor—a part of that is not just for other nationalities to see that; it's for us to see yes, and for us right. to believe that. Mm-hmm. That has to do with keeping our mindset in a certain place and telling us who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you understand what I mean? So they know good and well, just, I'm I'm sorry, this is just me personally. I don't believe that we are the minority in this country. Mm-hmm. Don't say sorry, Charmaine. Don't I be sorry. That. I don't need nobody to sorry. Say what it is. We are the majority of people in this mm-hmm. country, but we keep calling each other the minorities. We're yeah. not minorities. Mm -hmm. we are not minorities but that's again a part of that type of programming that they want you to accept and Mm -hmm. take on in your psyche as your own Mm -hmm. all that does is just perpetuate the lie and affects your actions and how you move about in this world Mm -hmm. but then you go out there and you start acting a certain way oh you know people outside of our nationality like oh there it goes right there I see it Yep. you know that's the very thing they've been talking about yep they're Mm -hmm. poor yep, they're uneducated or whatever the case is. Right, you know, already right. made
3: the lineup. So yeah. Like Brittany was saying, they keep us in that cup because they yeah. see that one person like that, now everybody is now that. But you know? we also keep ourselves
0: in that same cup. And
3: I mean, yes, we do. We, we do. do. Based
1: we on do. the fact that it's, it all grows together. Charmaine, oh, yeah. we see each other Yeah, we see that this is just it. This is this is all you're supposed to do right here. Right. <laughs> go hit a, Go sit on the block and stay mm. Monday through Friday. Wow. Saturday, Sunday, still stay on the block, but celebrate a little, make it right. more festive. But yes. we, don't see, we don't see ourselves past this, you're the poor in this right. world. This is your role, play, you it. It. You play it well.
3: Mm-hmm. I know we, I know we're trying to move on, I just want to ask, not ask a question, but just one. Like, I've, I've, I've always believed that, you know, when we go to our inner cities and stuff like that, and we talk to our Black children and stuff like that, I always said that when you talk to a class of um, African-Americans, you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and they'll tell you, oh, I want to play basketball and play football. And that's great. I always believe that we have to start telling them, nah, we don't want to do that. We want to own right. franchises. We want to own teams and things like that. Because mm-hmm. I always believe the person that can play somebody $120 million to play basketball is way more better off than the dude. Who, you know what I'm saying? That like the dude who can make that salary, who can pay that is who I really want to be. And I think that's what we, kind of got to start instilling to our people. We don't want to be the people that's being told what to do. We want to start pointing fingers. Yeah. We want to start directing people to do what we want them to do.
0: Yeah. So I'm sorry, well, mean, no, no, no. We'll, don't we're going to circle back around on that um, at, uh, at, later on in, in the in the um, hmm. past today. But uh, that's a good point, and it it deserves not to be uh, forgotten. So anyway, uh, thanks for talking about that um, first topic. And Charmaine, what was your, what was, I don't even know what we're talking about next. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well,
1: so, you know, so related. So, you know, um, basically we wanted to talk about growing up Black and the differences according to the regions or the areas that you lived in. So if you lived in a city, versus Mm -hmm. an urban area, you know, or what they call urban, um, Mm -hmm. area, um, or you lived in the suburbs or the country. Mm -hmm. What's the difference, you know, from your, you know, experiences? Um, what, what do you think the differences are there?
0: Okay. And did you want to start out? Where did you grow? You grew up in the Bronx.
3: I know. I grew up in the South Bronx. Okay. Mm -hmm. You got um, whoever wants well, to. Yeah. Go I mean, for me, like, you know, growing up in the South Bronx is like when you had an opportunity to even like we grew up on 146th Street and Willis Avenue. Um, and we my mom and them had friends that live in Parkchester. So to us, going to Parkchester town was like a field trip. We got on the bus, it was beautiful, everything smelled great. We were like, Oh my god, this is this can't be the Bronx. So I think when you when you grow up in the Bronx and you're surrounded by Everybody who's going through the same thing you're going through, you feel comfortable. But the moment you step out of that and go into that, it's like, oh my God, this can't be the Bronx. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. me, it was like, you know, growing up in, in the Bronx it was like, oh, that was my playground. I loved it. So, I mean, it didn't, to me, it didn't really change that much for me. It
2: didn't, I enjoyed it more than anything oh. else. I was like,
3: going to a different part and seeing how other people live yeah. was an eye opener. Yeah. It gave me dreams and hopes of what I wanted to accomplish. Or like, one day I would love to live here which means I had to do better than what I was doing. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah.
0: So I'll, I'll chime in. Um, I grew up, I was born in Newark, right? So I have some city in me, right? East Irons, mm-hmm. Edison. Edison. Uh, Edison is more of a suburb. So so I have both the city and the suburbs. But And that was, I went to school um, in Jersey. And then uh, for the summertime, I would go down to Georgia. My family mm-hmm. lives in Fort Gaines, Georgia, which is a city with, <laughs> one stoplight, a uh, town. One stoplight. <laughs> they have uh, one library. Wow. Um, a supermarket and a courthouse that also doubles as the jail. That also doubles as like wow. whatever. Like it's it's like a. It, it, they have all these things in this one little municipal wow. sort of building.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And when I was growing up, this is back in the uh, like the eighties or early nineties. I you know in the summertime I would walk around with no shoes on. I ate pigs feet. I ate alligators. <laughs> feet. I know what Maws is. I ate, you know, like you know I know and all I of that feet. like <laughs> I, and and you know I was out here doing it. I I had the shell peas which was a whole thing. And you know when I went down there um from their point of view and this is what they tell me both then and now at the time I seemed like the very educated person I felt, you know, I sounded different. I didn't have a country accent, even though, mm. you know, when you, when you go down there, um, you start talking like wherever you go, you start talking yeah. like the people that you right. see, that you're around. Mm. But, um, from their point of view, um, and I don't know if the, part of it is true. Part of it is sort of just perception is that, uh, people who live in the country are less educated wherever it is, right? Yep. That's the perception that particularly black people, right? Mm-hmm. So you got this idea that just because you have a country accent or because you're, you know, you grew up in whatever sort of place you grew up in that was the country that you're that you're not educated. And that's not so. It's just not so. At least it's not so from my experience. So um, I have a little, I, I, I often say that I um, have, I'm like 75% city, 25% country, but that doesn't mean I don't know how to, you know, catch a hog if I need to. Like, I'll catch a <laughs> hog.
3: <laughs> you don't even you know how to survive oh. if you need to, down there, I got right. you. <laughs> I so,
0: anyway, uh, Brittany and Charmaine, Brittany, what about you yeah. guys?
3: Um, For
1: me, being in the city, so this is what? Northeast DC, Edgewood, 6th and Evar, right off and Ab- Rhode Island Avenue. That's the neighborhood, you know what I'm saying? Like, if something's happening across the street, it's not the best, it's not the worst. It's cool, you know? Like, it is what it is. I think going in and out as I grew up and I'm starting to explore the city now, I'm beginning to see where things are different. Um, Georgetown. Why does Georgetown have <laughs> this over <laughs> Whoa, this is over here? So you mean to tell me this is what y'all are living like in Georgetown. Or, um, of course, going to certain parts of Maryland began mm. to present <sighs> a different aesthetic. Mm. Um, and again, where I, where I am, it is not the worst. I, I'm still in the city, though, you know? So row houses, we are right next door to each other. You don't get a big backyard. You don't get... Um, just space. Yes, you hear the metro all through the night. You can walk <laughs> to the train station. And this is good for me. This is like, yeah, this is how I live. This is this is being a D.C. girl from Northeast. This yeah. is cute, okay? Yeah. My high school, right up the street. I'm going to get here via metro. We're taking metro. Everything's well. But when life began to present to me what other things could look like, you know, in different neck of the woods, It began to make me think like, why, you know, why is this neighborhood set up like this when a whole nother neighborhood is set up a different way. Mm. But I knew that that was, that's, that's just life, right? We over here in Northeast and this is what Northwest can get you. This is what Maryland can get you. Um... And that's just how I, how I started to put it together. I still did not see anything necessarily wrong with my city aspects. But as I began to get older and pay attention to numbers and how much a dollar can position you here or mm-hmm. this dollar amount is going to position you over here on the south side, mm-hmm. um, things began to make sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm seeing it, but I think it took a while for me to be affected um, about a lot of just how life was moving and where neighborhoods were. And it was like I was aware, but I don't think I've always had a thought about it. Um,
0: so, so real quick, I, I, I want Charmaine to chime in, but obviously, or if it's not obvious to you all on the call or anybody who's listening, this obviously is going to lead into a conversation about gentrification. I. <laughs> So I, I, I'm going to let Charmaine chime in, but I wanted to make sure that we don't lose that point because clearly this is this is in that same realm of ideas. Go ahead, Charmaine.
1: It sure is. I'm glad you said yeah, that. Yeah, it, it is um, in the same realm. I, I would say, like, for me, um, the area that I lived in, in, in Jamaica, Queens, we had houses. They were single family houses. Some of them were two family houses. Um, there really weren't any buildings over there. Um, you would have to go to South Jamaica Queens to you know that's where Fifty Cent is from, right? right. Um, I don't is to, that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, South Jamaica. <laughs> and so um, you would have to go over there, you know, for let's say the the high rises. So for me, I really, you know, I I really pretty much stayed in the area that. It, it it was, it felt suburban, but like, I guess black suburban, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, like our version of, of the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, when my grandmother moved there, she moved there, I want to say like in the 19, like early 1960s or like late 1950s or something like that. And it used to be a Jewish neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the black people started moving in there. Um, so that part of Queens was considered a very, very nice area. Like I said, you had a lot of working class people, you know, um, I literally like lived next door to the Wilsons, which were like, uh, you know, t- <laughs> I don't know if you remember that from Dennis the Menace, right? Like lived next door to the Wilsons, yeah. Yeah, but they were black, you know, <laughs> I was a, you know, latchkey kid coming home I'm from school. Key. You know, because my my grandmother was out. I think she had retired by that time, but my mom was working. My grandmother was out running errands or whatever. Me and my brother would come home. I'd, you know, open up the door. And and sometimes, let's say I forgot my key, I'd go knock on, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Wilson's door. And I'd wait for my grandmother to come home, you know? So nobody would necessarily, like, think that type of thing would happen in, let's say, black suburbia or, you know what I mean? Like outside of our community. But that's how a lot of us were. We grew up, you know, taking our key with us, you know, back and forth to school. And they trusted us. I don't think I was like nine years old.
0: Oh, yeah. I
1: yeah. can say it now. I like how you called it um, the black suburban neighborhood because that's kind of what I, I felt too. Example, Miss Robinson, she had our key. <laughs> um, if if we were ever to come home early and we didn't have, oh, you know, it's teens. You keep forgetting stuff. Miss um, Robinson had our key right across the street, uh, so it was certain components of neighbors that that did do life together, you know? Like, we've been here for years together. We're, our kids are growing up together. Um, So we kind of moved in the same manner. So yeah, and like, even growing up, I wanna say like, I remember actually going next door to borrow a cup of sugar.
0: Oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> you know what
1: I mean? Like, we did things wow. like that. People don't do things like that today. They think you put cyanide or something <laughs> in sugar. But, you know, like, yeah. I, I, I remember going over, literally, with a cup to get some sugar. Mm. You
3: know? <laughs> my, so, my mama barely wanted to give me a key to get home. I was like, guess <laughs> who asked the key to get in?
2: Oh. What? <laughs> I no key
0: to get in? <laughs> <laughs> what? Let me ask you guys this, because this mm-hmm. kind of informs the conversation also. Um, I'm, I'm not going to answer it yet because I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Um, if you were looking to move today um, and you had a reasonable, a reasonable amount of money, would you look for a neighborhood that had black people or does not have black people? Like some of us would say, oh, I, you know, where are the black people? Like I must be around my people. But on the other hand, there is this sort of idea, perception, sort of, Lane where people go in where they're like, oh no, it's mm-mm, no, I don't like, I, I don't want to be around black people because it's gonna be trouble, it's gonna be crime, it's gonna be, <laughs> be bad, bad schools. Like, there's all this sort of extra nonsense, but I, I, I don't want to answer before I hear you guys' thoughts.
3: Well, for me, when um, like I said, I, I live in South South Brunswick, New Jersey now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, when when we moved from the Bronx out to South Brunswick, New Jersey. I was like, I felt alone mm. because I was like, everywhere I look, I didn't see anybody that quote-unquote looked like me. Like me. Um, I was just, you know, comfortable. Like for me, I, I'm comfortable around my people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, um, so I would I would have to say that I would definitely look for a place where there are people that look like me. It's just mm. I feel more comfortable around people like that. I'm, you know, just because even when we first, I remember pulling up in South Brunswick you know, we pull up and like everybody in their house came outside to see who was moving in. Mm. I just see one black face and I was like, oh my fucking God, we are in trouble. Mm. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm like, (laughs) I swear somebody gonna burn across on my goddamn lawn. I'm telling you, it's just in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? But unfortunate. I'm sorry, uh, Robert, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna
1: say, you know what, this is a trippy question. It's a trippy question because I understand it. One, I understand it. I get what you're trying to get at. But then when I have to dissect the question and then formulate an the answer, it's interesting. Um, I love my people. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I am black. I'm African-American. I love the black culture. Do mm-hmm. I think we represent ourselves in the best light all the time? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I get disappointed when we do not step up and show ourselves with, with our best foot forward. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, so I will say we fall short in that. However, it is never going to run me away from my people. So mm-hmm. if I move into a neighborhood and I just did this, I just went apartment looking and I'm like, yo, what's the what, what, what's, what's the people giving? Who's living here? Am I going to feel uncomfortable if I move here? I don't want to be in just a straight up black neighborhood because I want mm-hmm. to elevate as a young black woman. I want to put myself at higher standards too. You know, I want to, to do that for myself, but then I also don't wanna be in a neighborhood where I'm being shunned for being here. Um, And I know it's kinda like, wait, you don't wanna do that work? I don't wanna be made to feel uncomfortable in a space where I'm looking for nothing but peace. I'm looking to lay my head, I'm looking to be able to grocery shop and come home. So it's kinda like, I don't wanna be in too much of a white area, Um, and I'm gonna say that, I don't wanna be in too much of that because they make me feel like I don't belong here. And yeah, I'm right. going to have to face those challenges daily or whenever Karen wants to be a Karen or whatever the <laughs> man wants to be, you know. Or um, do I find a neighborhood that's mixy that is not all of my kind, but I see us here. where We're demanding a seat at the table. We are paying our bills and we're residing here. Um, so to answer that question, I need all of it. I do. Yeah. I need all of it. I need the whole melting pot. Why? Because that's the way the world really is. It's not just black or white. Um, and if I want to play in this world's monopoly the best way I can, I'm going to have to deal with all the people. So when I find a place, like I literally just did it. When I just found a place to reside in Atlanta, Georgia,
2: who's here? Mm-hmm. I see whites. I see blacks. I see Indians. I see, I see everybody. Which allows me to then
1: feel comfortable enough to know that um, everybody's doing something different. If you're just, if, if, you know, if, if that makes sense. It so does, I can't yeah, just absolutely. say I'm in a white neighborhood. I don't want to say that. Like, I don't want to say I live in a white neighborhood. What does that even mean? Why is this your yeah. my neighborhood? I you know?
3: <laughs> can't that, just be a neighborhood? Yeah. So
1: this is a neighborhood. And then in a black community, um, and I, I'm about to challenge my people, but I'm my people. Um where where when i where i position myself if i was to stay in a black neighborhood is it the best you know is mm-hmm. it what side of town is this um does this side of town get some type of decency and play do we have a Marshall? does this mm-hmm. black community have a TJ Maxx do we have mm-hmm. the necessities that we need or do we still have to drive 30 minutes across town to the white neighborhood so it's it's kind of like It's kind of like a give and take from what you want from both neighborhoods, so to say. Um, And you make it into this thing that makes, allows you to show up in the neighborhood and feel comfortable. Um, I don't think in a white neighborhood we feel comfortable as a black person moving in so boldly and so profoundly. But then in a black neighborhood, being that you know your people and you know what this black neighborhood can mean, um... Do I put myself here and sell myself short when I know I want a different aesthetic as well?
0: So uh, yeah. be- before, Char- before Charmaine chimes in, I want to I want to say two things real quick, and then I'll and then I'll let Charmaine chime in, and then I'll probably round up round it up for myself. Uh, one, uh, being a black neighborhood doesn't always necessarily mean that it's a bad neighborhood or it's less than. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing. And this is sort of a challenge question slash. Um, I'll let Charmaine go in, but when I, as I was trying to formulate the question, I'm thinking, okay, do black if black people like being around their own people and like you know I, like Robert said earlier, he feels comfortable being around his own people, but if we were to flip it on its head and said white people. Like being around only white people because that's who they like. Then it's mm. like, oh well, shit. Like you know what I'm saying. Like if it seems racist and terrible. How dare you, white people? <laughs> I like only want to be around, around white people. So it, it becomes a little bit of a like a a double a, a double uh, what it, what's the word I'm looking for like double-edged a double edged
1: sword.
0: like a double edged sword and like a, sword, like a um um uh, catch twenty two. Not the, mm. anyway. Anyway, uh, Charmaine, go ahead and uh, chime in here.
1: So um, I actually, I, I'm like a mixture of, of everything. Um, for myself, per, for me, I think that when I look for a new place to live, because I'm actually in the process of doing that, mm-hmm. um, I, it, would, it would be based on a mixture. I would want a mixture of people around me,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: I would want all different races because that's what I, I prefer, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, And then it would also go by my income, because Mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm making a certain amount of money, I want to live in a certain area. You know know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it would be a combination of those two things, first off. But, you know, to to get back to what you're saying about um, the like, basically, how did you word it?
0: You said. uh, Uh, if. you're talking about the original question about whether or not no, what you just said right now. Oh, um, that was about, uh, if white people wanted to live and be around right. their own people, right. Mm-hmm. Then it would be considered not right. a great thing, but right. we as black people can say, no, I want to be around my own. Like I, I, you know, I, I, I like my own people. So. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so basically what I was going to say about that is that's a tough question. And the reason why is because, it shouldn't be about race, shouldn't. But the right. truth is is that they might in, in certain communities, they know, okay, getting back to gentrification. let's, get, let's go there. Yeah okay. How does everybody know to like descend on that one place? How, do, how does everybody know that? And, and let's say, you know, um, white people, how do they all know? There's got to be some type of communication. There's something going on within their community, right? Maybe the way that they were raised, you know, they talk about finances. They talk about real estate to their children. They talk about these things yep. amongst themselves, right? Black people don't necessarily do the same exact thing. We weren't raised that way. Right, you said you didn't even know what was going on financially in your own home, much less how to take care of the community that you live in.
0: So, so let me, so let, let me just say this real quick, just to just to ask a finer point on that question. First of all, I'm I'm I don't live in a white um, uh, family household. My partner's white, but we don't. It, it, that's a different uh, different topic. But is 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 what you're saying that? Your perception is that white people talk about okay, well, um, you know, uh, the next up and coming neighborhood is so and so, and you might be able to get in on the ground floor if you buy at this level. Because, yes. in five they, years. they right. do,
1: they do talk part to that's a question, that's a question, but that's, I mean, that's to me a part of their culture, it's neither okay. here nor there. Like, they go to a community and and They want the community to be a certain way, right? And so they will, I I mean, one of my good friends, like she does something so simple. Like she go, when she sees, she's she's white, when she sees garbage in her neighborhood, she will go all around her neighborhood and pick up that garbage. Mm. And that's something that maybe she was trained to do because it keeps up the value of their property. Let me just keep it simple, mm-hmm. right? Whereas somebody like, you know, some people that maybe weren't trained that way, let's say in the hood or, you know, just let's say Blackie.
2: Wherever. That yeah. weren't
1: trained that way, they might walk past that garbage and mm-hmm. say somebody else will pick it up, which brings the value of the property down. Mm-hmm. So is it about race or is it about money or is it about we don't have the same mentality? But it, well, it to me, like, it kind of goes back to the same thing. We were not... We were raised to believe these things about ourselves, raised to believe we're poor, raised to believe that we don't deserve the same thing. So I we don't understand. treat it the yeah. same way. I, yeah. I that think, makes like, sense what say, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. So, I think yeah. So I we think. don't treat it the same way. So they're going to treat it differently. Mm-hmm. And so right. when you are a black person and you start to become educated in these areas, you're going to move, let's say, to a, a, a white neighborhood. Because you want the value. I'm a quote unquote white neighborhood yeah. um, because you want a certain property and you want the value of your property yeah. to remain because you know your neighbors are going to do the same thing to make sure the value of their property stays up. So so, so I think it's a larger question.
0: So let me ask you this. Um, and I, I'm going to just ask this question and I'm going to go around to each of you and I'm going to say my two things and you tell me each of you is going to say two things to this question, right? What are two things that you see in a black neighborhood? Two things, <laughs> right? I'm going to say my two things, right? I'm going to say um, a Sally's Beauty Supply. Okay? okay? If you all don't know what a, if the listeners don't know what a Sally's Beauty Supply is, look it up. Sally's Beauty Supply is going to be in a black neighborhood. <laughs> okay. My second thing um, is you're gonna see, mm, depending on the size of the um, community, the the neighborhood, you're going to probably see one liquor store per two miles, mm. and that's a that's being generous. But you're right. gonna see one liquor store per two miles in a black neighborhood. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna. We're asking what
1: two things are you talking about? Businesses or you're just talking
0: about whatever, just in in general. general. Yeah, just in general. So I'm gonna ask uh, Robert.
3: So what I see in the black neighborhood, you always want to see a Chinese restaurant.
2: Yeah,
3: always a Chinese (laughs) restaurant in the black (laughs) area. Yeah, you know. um, And the second thing, uh, I was gonna say liquor store, but you got that. The liquor store is another thing that I always see in a, a black neighborhood. But you always. Going to see, and just as in general, trash. Mm. Like, like you was just saying, like we never keep the upkeep of our area.
2: Mm-hmm. Like you
3: can walk down the street just blatantly garbage can right there on the floor. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say the two things I usually see in a black neighborhood is a Chinese restaurant and just trash.
2: Okay, so, Brittany, I'm
1: going to say people
2: lingered outside to some mm. extent. Mm. People lingered outside in a nail salon. Mm. Okay. A, uh, a, a, yeah, a non-black
1: owned nail salon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. It's usually uh, run by the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <Russian run. laughs> yeah, it, that's how I, I wanted to... Yeah. It's a nail salon, yeah. Okay. Ran by somebody else. <clears throat> True story. Okay, um... Yeah, y'all took the good ones. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no. it's always, it's always a chicken joint. You know that New York fried chicken. You know what I'm talking about right here. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, New York Kennedy. Knows. Yep.
1: <laughs> and I want to say this. In my old neighborhood, this blew my mind because it has changed so much. I see dialysis centers. Oh, wow. Every wow. other, like every few blocks. When I grew up right there on Linden Boulevard in Queens, I never... Mm -hmm. Never, I think there was like one dialysis center, and it was probably, I don't know, like Jim in like actually on Jamaica Avenue or something like that. Don't quote me, but now when I go back home and I look, I don't even recognize it, it doesn't even look the same because dialysis centers everywhere. Can I? And I would like to, sorry, I was wanted, Monkey. I know you say Sally's Beauty, that's putting a name on the beauty,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I
1: mean, Uh, any you just you gotta take Sally's off, Sally's. Is a good neighborhood. Sally's yeah, is, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, is the more neighborhood friendly beauty supply store. Yeah. And yeah. Any, to be honest, you're going to see a beauty supply store ran by the people that own the chick, the carryout, and the nail salon. Right. Now Absolutely. Got- so
2: right. Sally's well,
1: that brand name yeah. makes a beauty supply store fit in yep. certain places,
0: yeah. and it may not even. It may just be called beauty supply. Yep, that's
1: that's
2: called, what it is called, sir. Yes. <laughs> and then one
0: other thing that I just thought about, and again, I don't want to take it to businesses, but we were talking about gentrification earlier, um, in a lot of black neighborhoods, and I hate to, I you know, this it breaks my heart, but I gotta you know tell the truth and shame the devil is a check cashing place. You know, there's oh like, yeah, it's like always, place yeah. out here where you got a liquor store on on you know every other m- a mile. And you got the check cash in place, like
1: but you like, know what? You know that's what that's how to keep us from, that, gaining <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, they keep from
3: gaining wealth. Yeah. That's how to keep us from gaining wealth. like exactly right. I have this, a friend that, that I have a friend like, that says she's never had a bank account because yeah. she's afraid somebody's gonna go in and freeze up her bank account. That's not going pay your bills on time, you won't yeah. have a problem. Yeah. But no
1: but, but that's the problem. People were not educated, The black community. Exactly was not educated. <laughs> and and yeah. because of that, where were you going? If you didn't have a bank account, you'd go on to the check, check
3: cash and place. And then you go to the, and the liquor store after,
1: and then you go to the chicken joint, then you go home. Or you if know, you wanted right to, somebody, you would just go straight to the liquor store. Oh, you had to get your nails done. I'm sorry. We get <laughs> done.
0: So so <laughs> real quick, what we got a liquor store, <laughs> we got a check cash in place, and then the other thing that's now, it's, I don't know. It comes in waves, depending on where you are. But you got these really bad predatory lending places where you know you get like five thousand dollars. You got an, a, it's like an auto loan place where you like borrow against your car, but it, the interest rate is like six hundred percent. And again, systems built in place, particularly right. in black neighborhoods, that are going to keep people owing money where they don't when it's it's not necessary. You, you
1: know what's crazy? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bernice. Go ahead, Charmaine. Go ahead. All right. I just want to say this one thing real quick. And Rob knows what I'm talking about. Maybe I'll do too. Um, in New York, it is very apparent. Like you could literally see all the shops we just mentioned and you can cross the street into a different neighborhood with different nationalities. I'm not going to go there. Well, who? Yeah. But you could cr- literally cross the street and you will not see any of those stores. Mm-hmm. Am I right, Rob? Absolutely. You yeah, absolutely Many Of those stores. So I mean, it's like, it's so blatant that it's, it's, we're targeted. That's, that's absolutely. my point. And it's I, very blatant. It was a good pick up um, because I was about to talk course. about my parents, um, Northeast DC, they had a house in Northeast DC. They bought a house in Northwest DC. Yes. We're still in DC. That's good. Property value. Right. Um, and this just piggybacks off of what Char- Charmaine was talking about. As far as we're not educated to know. Um, I find myself putting so much pressure on being able to keep my parents' house if something were to happen to them. God, don't let that happen. You know what I'm saying? Not right now. But but in my mind, as I am in my almost pushing 30 years old, it's now like, yo, you got to be able to do this. How you do it? Let's educate now so we can... My parents had to sell their Northeast house. And I hear them say all the time, I wish... I wish we were able to keep the house. And it breaks our heart because it was a, 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 a person of the opposite um, race had bought it. Mm. And it's kind of like um, we, and I don't know what their parents had given to them, but they did not know how they could financially keep that house and buy this house and then make these these big grand investments that people talk about. My parents weren't ready. They weren't ready for for this type of discipline, this type of come up, this type of opportunity that presented itself to have two houses in Washington, D.C.? Like, what? Um, and I find myself, like Charmaine said, we do not, I did not, let me speak for me, and I, I feel like a lot of my friends have said it too, we did not have the lecture on credit and finances, and how to be successful financially, how to make money while you're sleeping. I'm learning this now and I'm almost pushing 30.
0: And
1: and I will say too, it's kinda like, you playing catch up compared to other families and other races that teach them this, offer, hey, son, when you get such and such, you should be able to invest in da-da-da-da-da. I'm leaving this for you. And this has your name on it. And as soon as you hit 18, you can fall into this position at the company. Black families, we don't get that all the time. It's kind of like we're playing with life um, as far as when life is presenting to us at this moment, bet. Let's figure out how to play. Mm -hmm. So,
2: let
0: let let me say this real quick, because I think it's an important distinction. Um, I'll say from, um, two things from my own experience, I actually got the talk from my mother. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a consistent talk. Right. So it was like, when you say you didn't get the lecture, I got the lecture probably around 16. My mother was like, you got to have a bank account, sign up for one. We're going to sign you up. Right. She had some sense that she didn't save, so she was like, okay, well, and that's part of the next topic is, um, Growing up, a lot of black people, I don't want to say all, but a lot of black people in America grow up knowing, knowing that their parents did not save for them. Did not or could not. Right. Mm -hmm. Did not. So that at 18, it ain't no, there's nothing. Right. The distinction that I want to make is that my mother gave me the talk, but she didn't give it to me often enough, nor could could she built systems. So there's a difference between talking and action, right? So my mother could have given me the talk all day long, but at okay. the end of the day, if I don't have the money, if she doesn't have the money to set up, you know, have, uh, or the foresight to have, uh, set up a, uh, what do you call this? A bond, you know, right. when you're, when you're five years old. And so that by the time you're 18, it's $25,000, whatever it is, then the talk is just, it's just talk. It just, it comes too late. So it's both about talks to me. It's both about talks and sort of like building in early enough. So you're not playing catch up. I just wanted to make that distinction for my and own. I, I, I
3: get what you're saying. Go ahead. Rob. I'm sorry. Because um, I mean, I'm, what, what I'm hearing is that, like, you know, every, you know, you get you have that talk. And I think the talk that Charmaine was talking about a little bit was that, you know, other people get that, you know, this is how you invest. This is what, because you, you, you I, I tell my daughter all the time, open a bank account, whatever. That, that's, that's almost, you know, up right now, standard. Like minimum. But we, we never get that talk about, Hey, you know what? This is how you can invest and get that money. You was talking about Brittany while you're sleeping. Right. You know, I think white people, and I'm sorry to general, but they, they, they normally tell them kids, they, their kids that, mm-hmm. um, I also think when we talked about the, um, being poor, sometimes black people feel that we can never move. From that stigmatism, right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no way, and I and I and I'll tell you, like when I bought my house in South Brunswick, I never thought, as a kid growing up in the South Brunswick, I'd ever live in a house. Yeah. I never thought that. I never thought it was possible. I and that wasn't one of my dreams. Mm. So I think what it is is that we, when we start to, um, and uh, when we start to give our kids hope and saying, okay, listen, yes, we live here now, but there is a whole nother, we're just scratching the surface. Um, One thing I thought that was really disappointing was, I used to live on 176th Street and Grand Avenue, and um, this lady that lived in the building with me, she had two little girls, two little girls. So we had moved from one apartment upstairs, we had another big one, so we moved to a big apartment. When we left out of the Bronx, her girls had grew up, and they had lived in the same building. Mm. Right. To me, I was like, that, as a parent, is a failure. There's no way in the world I'll ever live... There's no way in the world... I grew up in the building. My daughter lives downstairs from me. No in no, the world that happens. But you can't fault her for that because the mother feels... Sometimes she feels, well, this is all I could have done. You can't be no better. All right. So this seems
0: like a good place to wrap up the conversation for now. Um, of course, we're going to pick it back up in the next episode, but... Um, probably should stop for now this has been um your host marquis and your host charmaine and this has been another episode of so So here's the thing. thing thank you and uh talk to you guys soon